The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. You're with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Hello and welcome back to day two from the High Court in London for the Julian Assange extradition hearing. It's rainy in London, as to be expected. We were blessed with fine weather yesterday, but it's not deterring people. The press pack are setting up as per. Activists are arriving. The atmosphere is as electric as it was yesterday. Now, just a reminder, of course, the co-founder of WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, is facing an extradition order to the US on espionage charges after publishing leaked military secrets over a decade ago. In the US, his lawyers say he faces an outlandish 175 years in jail, although US authorities have said it's more likely to be five or six years. Either way, he should not be going in the first place. Yesterday, Stella, his wife, was outside the court and she said, and I quote her, there is no possibility of a fair trial if Julian is extradited to the United States. He should never be extradited to the United States. He would never be safe. The United States plotted to murder my husband. And, you know, as if to, to confirm really what this man has been put through, he was too ill to attend court yesterday. He was also too ill to speak via a video and link. So yesterday in court five was the turn of Assange's legal team, um, who include Ed Fitzgerald Casey and Mark Summers Casey. And it was their job to put forward his case as to why he should not be extradited. And they talked about things which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, the, C the alleged CIA plot to kill him. They said that there is evidence of a CIA plot during Donald Trump's presidency to kidnap or assassinate Julian. In addition to that, a Spanish court is conducting its own investigation that a security firm that was hired by the Ecuadorian embassy to protect um, Julian was in fact leaking information to the CIA. And Assange's barristers asked the question, why is Julian Assange so different? His team talked about a vast number of journalists who have leaked classified US information without prosecution, let alone the level of persecution this man has been subjected to. So it is interesting. I think it's very interesting. Yesterday, of course, turned out of fantastic speakers, including former Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn, um, trade unionist Len McCluskey, as I say, his wife Stella. And it's going to be interesting today, of course, because... As I say, yesterday, Assange's lawyers set out their case. Today, the Americans get to set out their case. And it's likely they're going to push back very hard on what was said yesterday. Um, their starting point almost certainly is going to be that the case has been repeatedly misrepresented. They will say that Assange is not like any mainstream journalist or publisher of leaks because, according to them, he exposed real people to the harm in the way he did. That, they say, is fundamentally why they want him taken to America. And let's be under no illusion whatsoever, even though people are saying, you know, it's possible that if it fails and they get their order to extradite him, Assange's team could take it to the European Court of Human Rights. But that's an outside chance. The fact is, 
they have exhausted every legal avenue um, in British justice. So all we can sincerely hope for is that the two judges overseeing it do the absolute right thing. And uh, but, you know, the fact is, is, as I say, he was already too sick to attend yesterday. Many people are under no illusion whatsoever that this process is not only the punishment, but it's designed to kill him. There is a great deal of revenge aimed at him. And uh, it is quite clear that he is a scapegoat. He's a fall guy. He's a fall guy for what took place in, uh, in, in Iraq, in Baghdad, uh, the murder, yes, the murder, and it, it, it's ironic, isn't it, that the uh, that the reporter who reported the war crimes is persecuted, whereas the people who committed the war crimes are heroes. What a funny old world we live in. I will be shortly coming to uh, Gemma, who will be joining us, and let us not forget that the reason this is all happening right now is because Pretty Patel, who was probably one of our most heinous. Home secretaries, and and it, it it's a tough it's a tough market, but she was the one who gave permission for Assange to be extradited. So that's what they're fighting against. They're fighting against this order, and we shall obviously see. It. And, and many people have said to me, "Will we find out today whether the Americans succeed?" Well, that's difficult to tell. It, when it comes to any judgment, and certainly in the High Court, sometimes you can find out on the day, sometimes it can take weeks, and sometimes it can even take months. So at the moment, we don't know, but we will absolutely keep you up to date. On that note, I'm going to bring in Gemma Cooper. Be right back. There's a lot going on, so it's important to stay informed and up to date. Get ready, because here we go. At the top, 30 minutes past and when it breaks. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Great to see you today, Gemma. How are you doing? Yes, very well, thank you. And I think that is very much a point worth mentioning because a, a lot of people are expecting the results of this hearing, this uh, this application to appeal today. But so much of it is being argued on points of law that very often, you know, judges in, in normal criminal cases, and this is not a criminal case by any stretch of the imagination, but judges go away to consider sentencing guidelines in normal criminal, criminal cases. You, you'll get a conviction, then you'll get the sentencing at a later date once all the kind of uh, pros and cons have been weighed up, uh, you know, former offences, sentencing guidelines. And it will be the same, I think, with this case, because it's all being argued on points of law. You know, his lawyers are arguing very much against the treaty between the US and the UK, which says that if it's a, if it's a politically motivated uh, crime, uh, inverted commas, then there should be no extradition. And this is certainly no ordinary crime, uh, far, far from it. So it, it'd be very interesting to see what the American lawyers come out and say. As you rightly say, they, they say that Assange's team have consistently and repeatedly misrepresented the facts of the case. Well, the burden of proof is on them today to prove that point to the judges. I don't think we will get a result today. I think there's too much riding on the actual lawful uh, legality of his you know, appeal to appeal, effectively, application to appeal. What I do think is worth focusing on, though, is the tireless efforts of Stella Assange. Uh, she's been on lots of mainstream outlets now. She addressed the crowd yesterday at the end of day one. She's been posting on her social media. She, she posted uh, images of the crowds. She thanked everybody for the support. And today she said that after the arguments from the U US lawyers, there's going to be a march from the Royal Courts of Justice to Downing Street to highlight awareness of this. And even though it's a rainy, horrible day in England and raining and horrible in London, I think there will be crowds of thousands of people accompanying her on that march. And that does have shades of all the freedom rallies 
that took place from 2020 onwards. I think a couple of them did go past the Royal Courts of Justice and, and, and definitely past Downing Street. So it'd be interesting to see this is another kind of red pill moment for a lot of people worldwide, the persecution of a journalist for, you know, getting past uh, information and publishing it. That's a journalist's job. Uh, the persecution he suffered, many say, is enough. Interestingly, Anthony Albanese said today on Australian media that he's uh, still engaging with his legal team to work on a strategy to get through this and come out the other side in Assange's interest. So it's a global effort. We saw activists on the street of New York yesterday. We saw activists on the streets of Melbourne and Sydney. We saw crowds outside the High Court in London. Today's the day where America gets to, <laughs> to, to sell its side of the story to the judges. I don't think we'll, we'll get a judge's decision today. That's my personal take on it. I could be wrong. If we do hear a judgment, let's hope we go the way we all want it to go. Well, I tend to agree with you, Gemma. I don't think there'll be a judgment today either. And 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 in part, because it will look like it's a foregone conclusion if they're able to deliver a judgment so quickly. They need to be able to deliberate over these matters, of course, as you say. But it's interesting you refer to the freedom marches because I have to say the atmosphere literally feels like I've been whipped back to 2020. It's very similar feeling. And I think it is that sense of deep injustice where people right across the political spectrum have all come together. They, they, People aren't interested in politics out there other than the fact that the man at the centre of this is dealing with a political show trial, because that's really what it is. It is a political show trial. Absolutely no doubt about it. But yes, Gemma, I think you'd love it. I think you'd love the atmosphere because it absolutely does feel like those uh, freedom marches from 2020 and so much the better for it. And I completely agree with you. I think Stella Assange has been exemplary. What a terrible position to be put in. A mother of two young boys watching your husband deteriorating, knowing how unjust he has been treated. But I, I, it is heartening what you say, that he's still well enough to be able to consult with his lawyers, which is great. But this can't be, none of this can be any good for him. Nearly 14 years in ever decreasing spaces, you know, going from the wide world into the Ecuadorian embassy, you know, especially converted office that was made into something of a flat for him, and then into a cell at a maximum security prison where he's surrounded by some of the most brutal criminals in England. So, you know, agree with you, don't think there'll be a judgment today, but it's a uh, very interesting, you say. So let me ask you this, Gemma, because you're, you're our eyes and ears out there, which is fantastic. Do you get a sense that the world is waking up to this case more than ever before? Yes, yes, I do. Absolutely. Um, I think that because so many people's perception of what uh, government is and what the state is has changed since 2020, I think people are looking at this case now where previously they would have thought, oh, isn't he the guy that's a rapist? Isn't he the guy that's a bit dodgy? They're thinking, no, that there's something to this. And, and because there has been such a sustained um, campaign about Assange since since he was put in the Ecuadorian embassy, since he went to the Ecuadorian embassy, rather, um, that there has it's never really gone away. So there, are, there is a lot of evidence and there is a lot of campaigning that people can refer to with this and then draw their own conclusions. And as you and I know, Sonia, people are drawing their own conclusions about so much in the world now and press freedom and freedom of speech is certainly one of those things. So I do think there's a huge groundswell of opinion. As I say, yesterday there were there were, there were campaigns and, and protests and, and marches and rallies and vehicles with free Assange on the side all over the world all over the world. It wasn't just London where the support was being shown. And that's, I think, indicative of the groundswell of support that this case is now generating. Of course, you know, judges don't pay any attention to public opinion. Judges pay attention to the law and the and the cases that are argued within the courtroom. So let's see, you know, whether we hear it, even a steer or a quote from anything after the evidence has been presented on both sides, or whether we just have to play the waiting game, uh, just like Assange has been doing all this time. 
Indeed. And let me ask you, as a former legacy media journalist, much like myself, I thought it was very interesting yesterday. I decided to have a good look at mainstream media and see who was actually covering it. And I, I, I'd like your, take, your feedback on this. But I, I went, first of all, to Mail Online, which is the sixth uh, most read online newspaper in the world. I couldn't find one story relating to this. Gemma, is that is that remiss or is that deliberate? What do you think? Oh, well, in the case of that particular mainstream outlet, I would say that that was uh, deliberate because other mainstream outlets are carrying this story, but they're all carrying the lockstep story that, you know, he leaked official secrets. He's a bit of a wrong and he, you know, the rape charge kind of, it, 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 well, there wasn't ever, it, it's gone away, it's disappeared, but they're, 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 there are assertions on his character. What One article I found very interesting, I mentioned this yesterday, was a, a mainstream article that said, well, I don't like Assange more than anyone else, but he doesn't deserve to be in prison. Well, it doesn't matter if you like him or not, he could be an absolute let's pick a better word. He could be an absolute dick. That's not the point. That's not the point at all. The point is, you know, free speech and journalism. The point is um, the point of law of like what he did, why he did it. And as you rightly say, and so many people now rightly saying, especially on social media, he revealed the war crimes. He's banged up. Those who commit the war crimes are lauded and given further globalist roles. Where's the, the inversion? And you know, where's the justice in that? Right, absolutely. And he's done exactly what we're supposed to do in our profession, and that is he speaks truth to power. And, you know, the, the fact is his continued detention and the treatment of him really, I think, is designed to send a ripple effect message to all of us journalists. You step out of line, we're coming after you. But actually, what he's the message he sends to a journalist like us, I obviously can't speak for you, I speak for myself, is we persevere. Our job is to speak truth to power. That is what we do. And, you know, effectively hang the consequences. I actually think, Gemma, oddly enough, we were posing this question at the start of the week. I actually think it is highly likely that even if he knew what was coming his way as a consequence of doing what he did, I think he might still have gone ahead with it anyway, because he, he, he did know. He said they're going to pursue me to the ends of the earth. And uh, I, I mean, I don't think for a second he could necessarily have known how deep it would have gone. But I do suspect he would have he would have carried on because he, he had such a thirst for telling the truth about these injustices, about these war crimes. And, you know, they're angry with him. He humiliated the Americans and they are proving completely unfair unforgivable on this issue. So, you know, we shall see. Gemma, give us a sort of final idea of how you think, suspect today may go regarding his lawyer, and not his lawyers, regarding the American lawyers. I just think they'll go in all guns blazing, won't they? They're, they're, I mean, uh, they've politely said before this, before today, um, this is a polite way. They've said that, you know, Assange's lawyers have consistently and repeatedly misrepresented the facts. Well, you know, they're basically saying you're lying. You know, they've dressed it up in a very nice way, but they're basically saying, you're lying. We're going to come in. We're going to tell the truth and the judges will believe us. Remains to be seen what they say. The case kicks off, uh, in a hearing rather, kicks off, you know, not long now. It kicked off at 10.30 yesterday. Uh, we're assuming the same sort of time today. So we'll have an update over the course of the morning and into the afternoon here in the UK. Excellent. Yes, it is 10.30, court five, same place. And I note today, very interesting, they have an overflow of an overflow today. Yesterday, they just had an overflow because there were so many people who wanted to witness it in court. But today, they've got an overflow of an overflow, which is very interesting because, you know, as Stella said yesterday, the world is watching and they need to remember that. Thank you so much, Gemma. I will speak to you tomorrow, everybody. Gemma Cooper. I'll be back shortly. TNT's Bruce de Torres. How did that impact you, that, that first year of studying and realizing you, I presume, were seeing something that was not only unprecedented, if not unbelievable, but unbelievably 
harmful. What did that cause you to do? I realized really from the very beginning of the pandemic that this was all um, pushed by propaganda. This, this, was, this wasn't science. This wasn't medicine. This was propaganda that was being pushed by the mainstream media. It was pushed by public health authorities that I knew to be corrupt from my you know, legal battles uh, before the pandemic. Uh, these were very corrupt individuals who were pushing these pandemic measures. Uh, and really, it seems like all proper medicine and science was just being thrown out the window to push a certain agenda and certain pharmaceutical products on the population. World Stage and Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number four, my say. Will Julian Assange be extradited back to the USA? Covering his two-day public hearing at the UK High Court and live from London, this is today's News Talk TNT. It is indeed today's News Talk TNT. I am Sonia Poulton and this is the Sonia Poulton Show and we are broadcasting live from Dailies on the Strand. Fabulous wine bar and they've been absolutely wonderful to allow us and enable us to do this. We couldn't be closer in many respects to the High Court unless we were broadcasting within, which is not allowed. But we literally were a hop and a spit across the road from the Royal Courts of Justice, which means that you can just pick up all the vibrations. I've been out there earlier, as I say, the rain's not putting people off, which is absolutely wonderful. Well, I'm just waiting for my first guest. Let's go through a timeline of what Julian Assange has been put through. So May 2019 was the first extradition request hearing in which Assange opposed the order. In September 2020, um, judge, a judge declined Assange's request to dismiss the charges that he was facing. In January 2021, a judge blocked Assange's extradition to the US, citing concerns over his mental health and a risk of a suicide. In December 2021, US prosecutors successfully appealed the earlier ruling. The case, as I said earlier, was sent to then Home Secretary Priti Patel for a final decision. Decision. And if you want somebody to be a hatchet person, then Pretty Patel is your person. Absolutely. And uh, she obviously ruled against Assange. She ruled in favor of the US. And uh, in January 2022, the High Court ruled that Assange cannot appeal to them and must instead place, uh, plead his case to the Supreme Court. And, uh, and so it, it's continued on really right up until June 2023, when the High Court dismissed the appeal. And here we are again, um, February 2024, last-ditch effort, really. People are absolutely aware that we're down to the line now. You know, there's uh, there's no getting around it, that this is a very, very serious time. It's historic. It's momentous in so many respects. Are they going to take a journalist who has been committed and convicted of nothing? He's literally nothing. He's it, his crime was being a journalist. The whistleblower who was then uh, um, Chelsea Manning uh, was then Bradley Manning, rather now Chelsea Manning um, served some time, treated absolutely appallingly. Um, but the reporter, the journalist, 
has been hounded and persecuted. And I think people are absolutely becoming very aware that this is about revenge. This is about the fact that he humiliated, knowingly or unknowingly, all he was doing was his job. You see, the thing is, as reporters, we don't set out to humiliate people. That's a byproduct of what they have or haven't done. We can't, you know, we can't do anything about the feelings. But the Americans took it particularly egregiously under Donald Trump. And uh, we've obviously seen people like uh, Hillary Clinton as one example, who's absolutely furious. I suspect one of the reasons that Hillary Clinton is so furious, of course, was so much of her emails were leaked through WikiLeaks. So she has like a personal vendetta. So you can always be assured that these globalists will leap up and down, won't they? You know, hang them high. That's their kind of motto, it would appear. So today is very much, you know, going to be very interesting. As I say, it's a political show trial. His greatest crime was speaking truth to power. And here's the thing. He's unwell. Right. So unwell, he was unable to make the high court yesterday. So unwell, he couldn't even appear by video link. Now, the thing is, right, absolutely, we hope and pray that nothing will happen to him. But if they martyr him, should he die in custody, they will have a bigger nightmare on their hands than they have had so far. Because as Stella said yesterday, repeatedly, the world is watching. And, and and that's the that's the key here is that they were able to get away with so much before regarding Julian Assange because the world wasn't watching, but the world is watching and is united. We have lawyers all around the world who have come together. People given keys to the city in various places, including Italy. I'm sure you can hear that. Uh, nice and loud, uh, some either fire alarm or fire engine, not quite sure what it is, but it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting alarm. It's waking us up to the fact that over there in the high court, a man's fate is being decided. He should never have been imprisoned. He really shouldn't. At the very least today, he certainly shouldn't be extradited. At the very least today, he should be given an opportunity in the future to be able to tell his side of the story. Can you believe after nearly 14 years, he's been denied that? We were talking yesterday about the film, The Trustful, Julian Assange um, by uh, Kim Staten. Absolutely brilliant, featuring a host of incredible people. And, uh, you know, it, that was clearly showing what he's been through, the smears, the attacks, and how his world has increasingly narrowed. Some people felt even claustrophobic watching that film because they suddenly had a real life visualization of what Julian Assange has been subjected to for over a decade. Think about that, over a decade for speaking truth to power. I mean, that, that's, my profession is exactly that. Our job is not to take government handouts at handouts and repeat them verbatim. It's not. It is to assess what is being said and done. I work for the people. Journalists, uh, investigative journalists, reporters are supposed to work for the people. We are not supposed to work for the oligarchs or the billionaires or the politicians or the judiciary. We are supposed to work for the people in the public interest. And I don't think anybody who knows anything about this case can say that Julian Assange didn't work on behalf of the people. That's exactly what he did. I'm going to take a short break and uh, hopefully I will be joined by one of my guests any moment. Be right back. We interrupt the regular programming to bring you some breaking news. Breaking news. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Russian President Vladimir Putin has publicly rejected wild reports out of the US that he's planning on placing nuclear weapons in space. 
The US has blocked yet another UN resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. And disgraced former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is demanding $1 million in either cash, gold or Bitcoin to sit down for an interview with Tucker Carlson. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. And welcome back. I am joined by not only my fellow host, Lembit Opik, but a former member of parliament. Lembit's here with me for the two-day stint, of course. We're, we're in this together, aren't we, we Lembit? We certainly are, right behind Assange. <laughs> and, you know, that, I think that's really important. What's your sort of view of what happened yesterday? Absolutely clear show of strength outside the course. That may not make a difference to the outcome, but what it is doing, it's showing that there's a cross-section, all classes, all work backgrounds, saying... This is a test of free speech in this country. It's not about Assange, it's about whether you're allowed to report things which are embarrassing to a government. If he's found guilty, that's end of free speech. What do you think? I, I don't know if you've managed to hear what Gemma was saying, but uh, Gemma was uh, she was sort of giving us an overview of what's being said around the world and, and in mainstream media. And it's interesting because they're all talking about how he's been leaking secrets and putting people in jeopardy and everything. And it, it's 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 a very biased, isn't it, presentation of, of his role? Yeah. The mainstream media is now complicit in its own self-destruction. If ever there was evidence that the mainstream media, certainly in the United Kingdom and in America, are in cahoots with the very establishments that they should be reporting and holding to account. It's here. How can anyone in the media say that Assange has done something wrong when all he did was report leaks? He didn't create the leaks by and large, but he reported the leaks. And I, for one, wanted to know that America was spying on its allies like Germany. We've got the right to know that. They work for us. And anybody who doesn't realise that has completely missed the essence of democracy. Absolutely. What do you think about some of the arguments that his team put forward yesterday, such as the CIA plot to murder him? Um, and uh, obviously there, there's the issue of the security firm that was supposed to be protecting him and was allegedly actually leaking footage and information to the CIA. What do you think about that? It's rotten to the core. It's a complete cabal where they're supporting each other, they're backing each other up. And there are two real arguments here. There's the core principle that I've mentioned about free speech, but then there's the safety point as well, because Assange could be sent to his death. Let's not pretend now that America is stain completely stainless in terms of how it's treated awkward customers, if you like. Right. And Julian is obviously an awkward customer. Uh, so on that, those grounds alone is an issue, but that's the fundamental point here. If Britain sends Assange to America, we're simply like Pontius Pilate, handing right. Julian Assange over to people who could metaphorically at least crucify him. Well, that's a really important point you raise because one of the arguments from the American representatives is that he will be subject to a fair trial. And obviously his team are saying, Buncombe, we don't trust you, absolutely don't trust you. We are deeply worried that he will be treated disproportionately. And, and I suppose you echo that, really. Yes. The Iraq War, Afghanistan, Guantanamo Bay. How many more examples do you need of the cynicism of Western politics. The irony, of course, is the reason Assange is in the dock is because he exposes that hypocrisy. 
And now he's a victim of that hypocrisy. If there was fair trial going on, there probably wouldn't be a trial at all. Uh, so I think that Julian Assange is right to be concerned about his welfare, and his lawyers are right to make that point. But back to the central issue, he's an awkward person right. because he won't be controlled by the very system that wants to shut him up now. This is cancel culture writ, writ large in a high court. I, I mean, I, I have to agree with you. I think that the idea that he, he's just, he's almost to them, he's been petulant isn't the right word, but he stood firm, hasn't he? He's like said, no, absolutely not. What has been done here has been wrong. And I think that he's a symbolism mm. of everything that actually is right about a free press, if indeed we had one. Breaking news on that, Jeremy Corbyn, the former leader of the Labour Party, will be on my show on Sunday morning. Fantastic. For an hour to talk about exactly what's gone rotten in the state of political Britain. And I can't say it any better than you here. Julian Assange happens to be the lightning rod for so many people, Jeremy Corbyn, Corbyn included, who think this is the time to take a stand because we're very close to an Orwellian situation where there is no free speech at all. If Julian loses, we all lose. And the mainstream media seem happy with that. What's the point of them at that stage? Let's just go wholesale online and just forget about what's being beamed at us in order to control us. Well, now, you see, the thing is, and I think that, again, you're in a unique position there because you yourself have been demonised by the mainstream media. So you know how this works, right? Yeah, I've suffered because I, I'm sure there's no climate emergency. I use science, but I get shut up. The irony, of course, is the BBC, that's supposed to be... Uh, some impartial by its charter organization, it's just in the pocket of its paymasters. And I remember I was being told not to challenge basically lies because it didn't fit the zeitgeist. And you don't even understand how we got here in a sense, no. uh, because it's everything that the BBC was not set up to do. Luckily, TNT, of course, has found this vacuum. And I think like you, I'm here, not just because I enjoy broadcasting, but because I feel a duty and obligation to give people the facts and my opinions and let them form their own. That's really, in a way, what Assange was doing. He wasn't telling anyone what to think. No. He was telling people, here are some facts. Work it out for yourself. Absolutely. And that's why they want to shut him up. Absolutely. And on that note, I just have to say thank you very much to everybody who has been incredibly complimentary about our broadcast yesterday. People realise that we are absolutely filling a vital vacuum that needs to take place. So thank you, Lembert. You'll My be pleasure. back later, yes, won't I'll you? Yes, I'll be back. Brilliant, Lembert Opic, as ever. I will be back very shortly. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Probably the biggest story of last week was Joe Biden's cognitive ability or lack thereof. And it was two weeks ago that Biden, on the same day that the special counsel released his report on Biden's documents that he had hidden and claiming that Biden didn't remember when his son Bo died, Biden reacted this way. Lester, President Biden became heated, you'll remember, responding to the special counsel's assertion that he could not remember within several years when his son Bo died. Last week, the president criticized her for asking him about it. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Ah, but NBC News broke this story and ruined the Biden narrative. But tonight, NBC News has learned that her never asked that question, according to two people familiar with the interview last fall. They say it was the president, not her or his team, who first introduced Bo Biden's death. The sources say the president got the date, May 30th, correct, but not the year. This is huge news. So Biden was never asked about his son's death. He brought it up. Now, is he lying about all this or does he not remember? Either way, can you say 25th 
Amendment now. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. Two, think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighborhood safer place. Three, it's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. We're covering Julian Assange's two-day public hearing at the UK High Court and live from London. This is today's News Talk TNT. We are indeed alive and kicking from London outside the High Court where Julian Assange extradition hearing is taking place, the second and final day. Highly unlikely that we will actually get a result today, but who knows? It's a strange old world. And talking about which, I am absolutely delighted to welcome my next guest. This man has no idea what he means to me. He is, of course, Pat Cash, former Wimbledon champion to freedom fighter, Welcome, Pat, to today's News Talk. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you very much. That's a lovely introduction. Thank you for that. Uh, oh, you're absolutely welcome. I did say to you just before we went on air, you're a very self-deprecating chap. That's, uh, you deserve that introduction. Yes, you absolutely do. So, Pat, I actually remember you at Wimbledon. I mean, that must have been a phenomenal period in your life because you were a champ, but you weren't just a champ, but people actually liked you. <laughs> they didn't think that you were arrogant or up yourself. People saw you as like a, a down-to-earth kind of guy. And have I got this right? Are you the one who started the, the, the tradition of leaving the court and going into the stands at the end of the game, which has since been yeah. carried on? Was that you? Yeah, that's right. That's, I'm kind of that's become right. more famous for that than, than anything else. And uh, funny enough, I'm mean, talking to you from Melbourne, Australia at the moment, and I went into um, – Today I went into one of the the big football games. Aussie rules football is is huge. It's just like it's like English Premier League uh, over here. It's the biggest sport uh, in in Australia. And and my father used to play in one of the teams. And and uh, I, I met the I met the coach. I met some of the guys, and they they dragged me straight in to, to to chat with the players. And I was just there for a cup of coffee and to say hello. Next thing you know, I'm talking to to 40, 30, 35, 40 uh, players, young players. And I said, who who was who remembers 1987? And I realized, hold on, you're not even born in 1980s. Who was born <laughs> in before it? Nobody put their hand up. I said, right, let's let's backtrack a little bit. I'm the guy that climbed through the stands at Wimbledon, had the checkered headband. They went, oh yeah, okay. And they started nodding their head a little bit, and we just talked about the past and uh, and uh, various things that that went on, in, you know, in my career and overcoming setbacks and various things. And uh, you know, one of the things I suppose I've been known for is is sharing, going with my emotions and 
and telling what I believe is is the truth. And you know, as we we, we TNT here, I mean, you've just been talking about that last section. Uh, uh, there was a segment, I should say. Um, it's sometimes the truth is not is is not easy for people to hear, and they don't want to hear that. And and it certainly ruffles some feathers. And I've done that in the past. Uh, so um, it's been yeah, it's been an interesting career, uh, starting with me climbing through the stands. I've ruffled feathers there, and I suppose I'm speaking my mind now in uh, in all sorts of areas. Well, it's a wonderful thing. It was an iconic moment. I mean, I literally, I, it, you know, it's one of the overriding images of Wimbledon. And there have been many, including obviously John McEnroe throwing down his bat and losing <laughs> his temper uh, an assortment of times. But the thing is, as I say, Pat, the fact that you did that, you climbed through the stand, that was to everybody. Pat is one of us. He's our man. And people always felt that about you. How do you adjust from being a champion, you know, known throughout the world to going about your life after that? Well, I mean, my, I'm a foremost. I was a, you know, tennis player, so that was my job to to be as good as I could possibly be, and uh, that was my my goal in in um, in my life was to, you know, to be as successful as I could, but be, to be the best player I could really, and that was that was uh, for, foremost. But also, I was a young father, so uh, you know, I was a young father at 21. Um, by the time I had, um, by the time I, you know, a year after winning Wimbledon, I had two children. Uh, so you know, it was uh, it was important for me to be a, a good father more than anything. So balancing that is not easy back in those days. I mean, now you know it's 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 a lot easier to, to travel and there's uh, it, the, the hotels are the better. It's it's just it's not as it, it just wasn't that easy then. But that was one of my priorities, and I didn't always get it right. But um, uh, you know, it come you you come crashing down to earth pretty quickly in a game of ten in, in tennis, the world of tennis, because right. next week you can lose very quickly, and then you go home and uh, the the kids are screaming and need a nappy change and bottles fed. <laughs> um, so I, I was I had my feet pretty firmly on the ground most of the time. Well, we love it, and obviously you've made that journey into being an outspoken freedom fighter, which is absolutely wonderful. What are your thoughts on what's going on in the high court regarding Julian Assange? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, sitting here in, in Australia, it's uh, it's interesting. This the subject is uh, is talked about a lot at the moment. Um, I think uh, a lot of, some people don't understand everything. I definitely don't understand everything that's been going on. Uh, you know, I have a, a, de- a decent grasp of what's happening. Some people, uh, I, I'd say, most people. Um, are saying, well, didn't the Prime Minister want to say something? Didn't the Prime Minister uh, mm. Albanese in, in one of his campaign promises was to to look after Julian Assange and make sure that you know he protected Australians on foreign soil that were that were that were held? Uh, he's just gone. I don't know if he's gone one hundred percent back on that, but certainly there's there's various politicians who are now speaking up and saying you got to come through with your promise there. And so I think that is one of the overriding one overriding conversations in Australia at the moment is, well, uh, yeah, typical politician gets into power, just turns a does a what does a 180. Uh and and this is um, this has been happening uh, he's only he's only been in power for uh, 9 months or 6 months or eight, something like that. Right. And you know, typical politician it's he's just turned doing 180s all the time. So I uh, I think it's very disappointing I follow Julian Assange will certainly uh, if it's not him, it's so it's 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 somebody associated with him on on um, Telegram on the Telegram uh, 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 app app uh, news net news uh, feed um, where you know and and 
if it's not him, it's certainly named after him, but it's he is it's constantly throwing out reality checks or, or truth right. bombs. And right. you know, I I like that, and I can I can see that, and uh, it's it's a very interesting uh, channel to be on. Um, and I think most people realize that hey, this is you know that the, we've been lied to so much over the last oh. years, so much. And I often often joke, but it's absolutely guideline that I say. I say the, the most of the mainstream media, I I uh, I watch. Sorry, so, Pat. That's that's all right. Somebody else came on there for a second. Yes, uh, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> it's the a live broadcast. That happens, doesn't it? <laughs> that, that's exactly. That's what we like. Live radio things happen. Um, we do love it. Absolutely yeah, love it. Yeah. I so just, it's about it's about it's about um, highlighting the lies, isn't it? I mean, we've been absolutely bombarded with it. So you're a truth seeker, Pat, aren't you? You're after the truth. That's oh, that's pre- pretty much what the way the way it is. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever know the truth on everything. There's there's so many different aspects to every story. But what I do know is that the the the, uh, the mainstream media are, are culprits of, of putting out uh, misinformation um, and propaganda stuff. And I've known that since with you know within a month of uh, what I call it the scandemic. Um, and and I said, oh, this doesn't add up. And and I think there's a lot of people who are listen watching this. Uh, or listening to this, this uh, your st- the station TNT, uh, who I, which I used to pick up in the magazine when I first came to England uh, and check out the, what was going on at home. Um, but they, I think most a lot of people are sort of got a bit sick of uh, being lied to, aren't they? And and yes. realise that they're this. Hey, wait a minute! That does this doesn't add up. This pandemic stuff. What it does? It just doesn't add up. And then from then you 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 explore and you say, okay, let's look at both sides. And I like to look at both sides and and make make my opinion. And 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 um, unfortunately, the more I the more I look, the more there's only one way oh. that that I'm that I'm starting to see see stuff. And then you know, using uh, you know the. Uh, digital currencies and and so I think you're right in that what you said in the last segment is uh, this the maybe the last voice of freedom is is starting to get be eroded and and uh, for for Assad right. to be you know we need to he'll be martyred whatever happens he'll be martyred he'll right be and he will make him bigger people will make him bigger than than ever and uh, you know whatever happens to him hopefully he's, he's he survives this and gets through and the Australian government will do the thing that they promised they'd do. And, uh, you know, I'm sort of, it's a funny situation. I'm Australian, so I, I'm, I'm living in England and I've also got an American passport. So I've got a foot in each camp here. Uh, yeah, you're a man of the world. We all want a piece of you. Can we just pause a second and take account of the fact that tennis legend Pat Tash called it a scandemic? I love that. Absolutely love that. That's a headline there, Pat, right well, there. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we love it. We love it. Searching for the truth. It's really important. And I think it's so important that people with profiles do that because so few people are prepared to put their head above the parapet. So it's absolutely wonderful that you did. And let me remind you of some of the things that you've been prepared to talk about. Ivermectin. If ever there was a controversial drug, but you were prepared to talk about it, why did you? Because it works. It's quite simply, I knew it early on. Um, it was uh, listening to some of the great doctors and scientists, and they were saying, "Why isn't ivermectin being used?" Um, I spoke up. Of course, I got absolutely slammed in the Australian media and a little bit in the British media. Hawk, horse pill, horse horse medicine, all that sort of stuff. Even my mum called me up and said, "Pat, you can't be peddling horse medicine, <laughs> mum. You don't understand." <laughs> 
You don't understand. This is yeah. a, this is a one. This is a wonder drug. It's had it's had forty billion billion uses. It's been out there for thirty years. It does everything. And now, and ironically, now the latest research I saw on it is it's starting to have great success with cancer patients. This is an absolute wonder drug. So, and I've taken it. I was taking it all the time during during the, the this this. Uh, Yes, yeah, I saw scandemic year, uh, and I was traveling the whole world. I was traveling everywhere. I went everywhere. Uh, I barely, I never hardly wore a mask. I didn't wipe, wash my hands because I know that natural immunity, getting us a bit of the the bug and talking to people, talking to people was the best thing. You get the you get a little bit of uh, the virus, and that's that's your natural natural immunity. And um, so, ironically, I was taking and I was uh, coaching a tennis player on the on the world. Uh, we were traveling around the world, getting you know these things shoved up our nose all the time i mean locked in hotel rooms not been able to go to the tennis club and back hadn't right. went out, go out and eat in any restaurants for six months in a, in a, in a row uh did everything but what we didn't get is sick um and uh, and so right. uh, we, right. we we had the ivermectin regularly regularly as as a prophylactic to to prevent us from and uh you know the, this this the science is out there isn't it but they just it was just disappointing that they uh they stopped. That's right. The disappointing yeah, thing is the science is out saved, there, but stifled. They could have saved a lot of lives, and people should be they really could. angry. If they had ivermectin and proper protocols there, they could have saved a lot of lives. And, you know, people might go, oh, you're what, this and that, Cash. Listen, but that's the reality is that they, 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 they weren't interested in saving lives. They were interested in making money. Wow. Profound statement. Completely agree with you. You're walking the talk, though. Pat, you've recently released your own range of CBD products. Tell us about them. Yeah, well, I've, I'm being a health fanatic, as, you, as you've talked about, and, and uh, I realised there is so many great, great products out there. So I started at my health health company, and and CBD is uh, which is cannabinoid. It's uh, it's it's really cannabis, but it's not. Uh, there's different elements to to cannabis uh, plants. There's the marijuana side, and then there's the hemp side. The hemp side has has all the all the properties, all the healing properties for anxiety. Uh, basically, I looked every, everything everything that I needed in my in my age, which was pain from me, my sports injuries and surgeries. I wanted pain relief. I wanted to be able to sleep properly. Uh, I'm busy and and have so much stuff going on that my mind wouldn't stop. And and I suffer, I've suffered anxiety and, and depression over my my life and. This this uh, the CBD oil is ticks all those boxes. So, thought we're, we're going to get out there and and, um, and 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 launch launch this brand. I'm the first athlete to own the start to start a company. There's been some athletes have said, "Oh yeah, we endorse that. It's, it's, it seems to be great." Right. I'm the first one to put my money where my mouth is and to go, "Let's go healing people. Let's help pe- help people." And uh, the CBDs is going to be one of one of the. Uh, one of the brands and one of the things that we, we're going to use. So people want information on it. It's uh, Pat Cash CBD. It's pretty easy. But, you know, we want to want to help people. Um, and, you know, whether the regulators will will close down on that when they realise how, how much uh, good it can do, we'll wait and see. Absolutely. Pat, thank you so much for joining us in this rainy London all the way from Australia. We really appreciate it. And he really is the nice bloke that I always thought he was going to be. Everybody, <laughs> this is Pat Cash, a true freedom fighter showing out this morning for Julian Assange, as indeed we all are. I will be right back. TNT's Abby Roberts. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. 
Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. Dr. Rachel Levine, now you may have, may have noticed something about Rachel. Uh, Rachel is in fact a bloke. <laughs> that is a bloke uh, in, in a suit talking about um, how black people are adversely affected by climate. What a load of absolute nonsense. Did you see in the background as well that weird geometric shapes? That are kind of all over. There's a weird blob, and uh, she's that's the human. Uh, it's called I think it's Human Health Services. Is hhs.gov. Honestly, it is beyond scary. This stuff. It's like Marxism on steroids. Abby Roberts on TNT. Will Julian be extradited back to the USA? Live from London and covering Julian Assange's two-day public hearing at the UK High Court. This is today's news talk. TNT. And we are back. We are live and direct from London outside of the High Court. And I am here. I'm delighted to be joined by Alan Cook from Reform UK. Welcome, Alan. Thank you so much. Why are you here today? Well, uh, it's a big case and uh, great support outside for Julian. And uh, when there are sort of interesting cases, I personally always try and get involved. We had big anti-ULES case a few months ago and uh, again great support so anything which uh, people are dying out to get more information on I pop along to find out what I can and disseminate it through my supporters. As a politician are you I mean it's, it's sort of inevitable answer really but I mean I'm as a journalist I'm horrified at the political nature of this case what are your thoughts? Well, about well Julian is different things to different people and, uh, you know, if you're a diehard American nationalist or the current administration, you see him as anti-American, damaging and dangerous. Uh, you know, if you're an anti-war uh, or journalist or an advocate for freedom of speech uh, or whistleblower, then you'll, he's very much a poster boy for you. So, you know, it, it's difficult because people will see him in different ways, but also not only does this cross borders, but also crosses muddies the boundary between law and morals because you know it's difficult here because the judges really have to go by the law and not necessarily what is morally the right or the correct thing to do you know they maybe they can defer it to the ECHR uh, which is pretty much a cooking court in Europe but uh, you know hopefully he'll see that the time served now is enough and the damage which is done to him and his life and his family is enough, but uh, it's not really down to them. That's going to be down to America. Now, it, here we have the ability to uh, have a court case where you're actually in incarceration, but by video link, you can have the case. Why doesn't someone suggest that to the Americans? So instead of extraditing him, you know, possession is nine tenths of the law. They want possession of him and then all their promises can go to the birds. So have a video link court. What they're saying is he won't face 175 years. It's more likely four or six. He's already served five. Right. So in that case, do a video link court case. If he wins, then he's free. If he loses, then uh, it will take it more than a year, probably, than he would have served the amount of time. And he's free to go or, you know, at least move him into an open prison because it's either unnecessarily harming him. 
That's an actual excellent point, which I never thought I'd say to a politician. Um, but but it is. That's a fair point, because we've yeah. just come through four years of work from home yeah. where everything can be conducted online. You're absolutely right. It's yeah. about taking possession and of him, isn't it? Exactly. It's uh, In the UK law, nine, uh, possession is nine tenths of the law. Uh, if you've got it, you pretty much decide what happens to it. And that's what the Americans want. They want to get him. Right. And, uh, and the technology now is there for that not to be necessary. Right. What do you think about the muddying the waters? We were talking to our correspondent earlier, Gemma, and she was talking about how it's very much being portrayed. Like you say, there are different ways of looking at this case. But the overriding thing of the British press often seems to be that he's been so bad. He's leaked this. He's put people in danger. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, well, it's. To a certain extent, it's probably true, but I haven't seen or gone through all the information that he actually put out there. And it was a lot of information. I know that, that other uh, media bodies actually went through it as well, and uh, maybe they didn't go through it as well as him, because apparently he did go very, uh, he redacted everything that needed to be on the stuff that he released. So difficult for me to comment without actually seeing Understood. all the evidence uh, against him. Understood. What we do know unquestionably is, is that he actually published information and, and footage of war crimes. And yet he has been the one pursued for that. Whereas well, the criminals, yeah. are, are um, you going to take issue well, with that? This, yes, absolutely. This is harming UK-US relations. So I don't know why uh, Sleepy Joe is pushing so much for right. this. Uh, when, you know, it, if, if you live in a greenhouse, don't throw stones. You know, they have very much uh, crossed the line in, in some of the actions. So if anything, I, I'm, I'm surprised they don't want this sort of quietly brushed under the carpet and let it go away. But it seems to be a vendetta. Uh, there's, there's more to it. I know you need a deterrent in law, but what this guy has gone through, it surely that's deterrent enough. Right. It's, stop anyone else doing similar. Well, uh, that's what I was just going to say. Isn't this really about the big message of keep in line to everybody else do not repeat what he did yeah but they've gone beyond that and and now this is uh it's as if they're actually enjoying the punishment right so they are they're not helping themselves they you know they're looking like the bad guys now right originally then you know national security issues yes i can i can see it but uh this far down the line when it's causing issues between the two countries uh no it's a terrible PR campaign for America, really, isn't it? Very because as Stella so. was saying yesterday, yeah. the world is now watching. And I do, I have seen a change. I've seen go from people, my neighbour, my street, not knowing who he is and what he represents, to suddenly saying, oh, he's, he's that freedom-fighting journalist. And I think yeah. people are waking up to that. Well, yeah, I, I live uh, not too far from the Ecuadorian embassy. So uh, every time I walk past, you know, it always comes to your mind, oh, Julian's in there, Julian's in there. Right. And uh, well, he was. He's obviously he was. now in Belfast. Yeah, about seven, seven yes. years in there. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he. We have whistleblower protection in this country, right? So I don't understand how the expedition was allowed initially because he should have got protection from the the whistleblowing laws here. Yes, he should indeed. I'm going to have to end that there. But listen, thank you so much, Alan. Thank you for joining us. Alan is from Reform UK. That's a whole other story that we can have a conversation about another oh, time, absolutely. which I would very much look forward to because Alan sounds to me like a straight up guy who's prepared to answer some questions. Please do it at the wine bar again. Yes, yeah, sounds fantastic. <laughs>
This has been the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. We are, of course, outside the High Court in London. Thank you to the whole team for facilitating this. It's been an absolute honour to broadcast for you. Please stay tuned. Coming up next is Abby Roberts, followed by David Curtin, followed by Lembit Opic. This is, as I say, today's News Talk. Do not go anywhere. <laughs>